staying in touch with the in and out breath lightly being aware of your presence of your energy making that a habit and with the out-breath uh, softening so this uh, kind of meditating this way of meditating is not it's not connected with a certain body posture or certain activities A bit like becoming aware that there's always air around you, there's always space around you. And that something is happening right now for you, you are happening, proves that there's awareness, that there's consciousness, that there's presence. In other words, you make a habit out of staying lightly in touch with the background. Staying lightly in touch with your heart. And no matter, you know, what you what your body does or no matter how you sit or lie it's like when you are walking um, through the mountains or by the beach there's always that taste of openness that taste of connectedness, that, that taste of spaciousness. So that glimpse of space, that glimpse of openness, uh, that's what we are pointing to during this weekend. It's like uh, becoming aware of the space within your room. 
or you can move the furnitures in your room, you can paint it, the people are coming and going in the room, the light changes, yeah, but the space of the room is what remains and it's easy to oversee the space of the room. You're not interested usually into the space. And now this weekend, I would like to make us curious about the space. For a while, stopping all renovation projects, all attempts to make it a nicer space, and just relax the way it is. It's good enough. Enjoying the space. Enjoying just the fact of being aware, just the fact of being conscious. And in that being aware, in that being conscious, there's joy. There's aliveness. There's also a tenderness. What Trungpa Rinpoche calls goodness, there's also a goodness. Well, Lama Yeshe says that space is in the nature of love. It is unconditional love. Here, love not as a feeling. You can't fathom that love. You can't fathom that silence. You can't describe it. So here this kind of practice is not about focusing, it's not about concentration, it's not about developing compassion, it's not even about self-compassion, it's about nothing. It is appreciating that capacity of awareness, that capacity of consciousness, that capacity of presence. No matter what you're aware of, no matter, no matter what appears in the dream, there is something there which is not changing. Something or somewhere where you are most deeply yourself, Yesterday I saw a 
interesting documentary on Netflix. It's called My Broken Brain, I think. It's about a young woman who has a brain stroke and she loses a lot of her habits and her capacity, even things like reading and writing. And so she lost everything she thought she was. And through that she found what remains. What is the real you? That is, of course, very scary. Kind of losing the ground you're walking on. Losing that security of knowing who you are and what you can accomplish and what you did accomplish. Losing your habits. But she could handle it just because she had a sense of the big me. So she, on her journey, she, she was forced to rely upon silence. Because there was nothing else anymore she could step on or hold on to. This is also going to happen to us in the time at the time of death. So before the break, I would like to comment comment a bit. So regarding questions, you can always interrupt me, but also in the upcoming break, you can write on the chat or also during the session. So if you have a comment or a question and then in the next session, I will give also some time in case there's some questions. So I read this first this morning in the beginning of the session. It's from the 37 practices of the Bodhisatt for Bodhisattvas. And it starts with, don't engage disturbances. So this is the practice of non-grasping. So instead of trying to control the swirling leaves, putting them into patterns, labeling them, trying to get rid of them or trying to enhance them, we don't engage them. So that is not a sense, that is not a practice of disassociation or removing yourself into a transcendent state. So it is a practice of sitting right there in the mix in the midst of the swirling leaves. But you don't you don't 
Use your fingers, your mental fingers, to do anything with it. You just let them dance. So what he, and then he says, what happens then if we don't do that? So if we don't engage, if we remain in the practice of non-interfering. So he says, what happens then is, emotional reactions gradually fade away. That is we easily we can observe that uh, how the way we relate to disturbances, either disturbances which come from the subconscious mind, like a memory, or a disturbance which comes from your energy, like a restlessness or a tiredness, a physical or emotional pain but also disturbances from outside, sounds. You know, someone says something to you. Something is happening. So these are the disturbances, potentially disturbant. So, and if we don't engage them, if we don't feed them, if we don't wrap more and more stories, more and more worries into these experiences, like making them really solid, if we don't do that, then gradually, because everything is energy, everything is conditioned, everything has causes, so it will self-liberate itself. It will ju just pass. You know? A swirl of autumn leaves is a conditioned phenomenon, and at one point the conditioned will, the condition the conditions will change and this kind of dance will just stop, will dissolve. If we don't put fuel into the fire, then the fire dies. For this practice, there's two helpful things, and one is the question, where do I feel it in my body? So if you have a disturbance, what you could uh, call a disturbance right now, you know, maybe something is like nagging there, you know, a voice whispering, uh, you should you should do this, you should do that, or some regret of something you did yesterday, or there's a sense of exhaustion, of tiredness, of sadness, of darkness. Where do you feel it in the body? This is one of the, probably one of the most helpful questions, question uh, I, I ask myself, and I do it constantly. I made it a habit. I'm doing it now. 
So for example, what could happen to me as a disturbance in a meeting like this, I could feel something like there could be a story coming. Wow, it's so boring what I'm saying. They don't understand what I say. They don't like me. I'm so embarrassed. Yeah, so I think we can all recognize that kind of stories. And then I ask myself, I mean, it's not even... Sometimes I need to say the sentence, but it became a kind of automatic, like, looking, you know, which initially needed to be triggered by a question, where do I feel this in the body? So, where do I feel it in the body? So I feel it in my stomach, I feel it in my shoulders. And then there's tenderness. Yeah, I feel like this. Why do I feel like this? Because something happened in my past. I didn't choose to feel like this. It's not stupid that I feel like this. It happened, and something happened in the past. I got a message, some message like, you're not good enough. And it went right into the sense of I. And it is here now. I'm, right now it is not so strong, but... Uh, it is here. So if I do that, I have a, the second part of this practice. So returning to the body, the second part of the practice is to drop the story. So that's what happens kind of automatically because I, I changed the focus from blah, blah, blah. I changed the focus from projection because of course it's completely projection to think for uh, to think from my side everyone in this group is really bored with what i say it has nothing to do with you it's not real it's a distortion of reality i mean some of you might think it's really boring what i say but it's not possible that every one of you thinks it's boring what i'm saying it's a complete exaggeration it is a it is a projection So by turning to that vulnerable part within me, which feels not good enough, this kind of projection, this bubble, just disappears. And I take care of that feeling of not being good enough, where I can do something. I can I can't change the thing the way you look at me doing that. I can't change that. But I can uh, take care of that vulnerable part in the felt sense of my body.
breathe with it, allow it to be. Then something else might happen that that part of I am not good enough, which seemed to come from the way you look at me, but actually it comes from my projections. That vulnerable part within me, the felt sense in my body, becomes a bridge to connect with you because I know you're feeling the same, maybe not right now, but that vulnerable part is also within you, that, that feeling of I'm not good enough, that worry about what other people think, that being lost in one's own projections, that is also in you. So I'm kind of, I'm using that which can be a, a threat and which can create a feeling of disconnection to you. I use that while it becomes, it naturally becomes a tenderness, a connectedness, a meeting. And by taking, by taking care of that vulnerable part within me, the I am not good enough me, by taking care in the only place I can take care of it, and that's within me, in a way, a little bit, I also take care of that in you. We're taking care of that part together. So not only can there be a feeling of being connected in the sense of that we are uh, connected in the space of presence, in the space of silence, in the, in the space of unconditioned awareness, the field of awareness, we are actually also connected on the SEM level, on the conditioned level, on the, on the disturbing level. And together we can handle that. And some of you, there is a lot of disturbance th this morning. Maybe you have a difficult period in your life. Some of you are more relaxed and peaceful. So there's plenty of space of uh, having a sense of compassion, a sense of kindness, a sense of care when you are in a group. So the first sentence, don't engage disturbances and emotional reactions gradually fade away, could be described as having these kind of steps, you know, where is it in the body? 
dropping the story and taking care of that contraction within you, retrieving or allowing the projections to just plop. It's like you wake up out of a dream, you know, like it's like a dream and nobody likes me, everything, everyone is rejecting me. It's like a dream and suddenly that dream is just finished. It disappears. And you're owning your feelings, which is also a challenging thing to do. It's sometimes nice to blame other people how you feel. It's sometimes nice to say, wow, this is, was really a terrible group. <laughs> but uh, it's really not helpful. It's, it's maybe a kind of a short pleasure uh, but uh, it's really not helpful. It's much helpful. It's it's more helpful to own, take responsibility, to let go of blaming the situation or another person. This is he makes me feel like that, or they make me feel like that. You know, so to drop that story and attend to that old part in you which is there because something happened to you. It's not your fault. If in the age from one to six, you would have uh, an idolized loving environment where you always felt safe and hold and appreciated for who you are, then that I'm not good enough self just wouldn't be there. So you would distort reality less. So the second line in first three is don't engage distractions and spiritual practice naturally grows. So don't engage distractions. That's what we're doing right now. So that's, you know, uh, the practice of simplifying, of slowing down, of doing less, of not engaging with social media, not being busy. And to make that a priority, of course, in our life, it's not possible because we have obligations and depths and we need to go for work and we have our families and our relationships. But it can be a priority to do what we're doing now, to take times like this, possible, possibly every day, in a kind of 
formal doing nothing time. A formal just sitting time, sometimes called meditation. But uh, that word messes, messed, me, is, it has a, the, the potential to mess uh, this time of doing nothing up. Yeah? So instead of doing nothing and being here, we just work on another project, are busy with the techniques and So don't engage distractions and spiritual practice naturally grows. It could be also in the long run a bit of a to have a compass in one's life not towards more projects, towards more busyness, but to less. For some people, weekends are almost as busy as weekdays. Unfortunately, in our culture, it's very sexy to say, I'm so busy. Because that means that you are kind of successful or what? I'm so busy. But also it is possible uh, in activity to have a sense of that simplicity, of the sense of being in the present moment, doing the things you're doing like cleaning or uh, work-related things, to do them while being present there, not to do them to get somewhere where this is what you're doing right now is done. For what? Okay, then that then it's done. But you know, then there's the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. So there is a kind of a, a hope that if it's done, then you will be somehow in a better place. But while you're doing it, it's possible to do it with you know some some presence, some slowing down less grasping towards getting somewhere with the activity, but instead being in the activity, just typing, just being there, and not typing to get it done, because then you can start the next email. At least like in recurring activities like you know, household chores, it's definitely a possibility not to engage distractions while you're doing the dishes or the cooking or the shopping or but just cooking, just shopping, just cleaning. 